you. What about this one for my nephew? A superb choice. Oh, great. Yeah, provided he has already read Infinite Crisis and 52 and is familiar with the reestablishment of the DC multiverse. Who am I? Cypher? The gayest X-Man? I recently read this novel called Watchmen. I've never read a comic book like this. I used to read Betty comics, but that's it. I've never read, like, real, real comic books. This worked my out. Excellent! Hello, this is Chris and Eric's Songbox Adventure. I'm Chris. And I am Eric. This week, we are going to be discussing a comic that is very different from anything we've ever discussed before on the show. This is, unless I'm really forgetting something, our first nonfiction comic that we've ever covered, our first memoir, and it is going to be concerning real-world events, historical events, that are going to make for a much more I suppose just like serious and somber tone discussion than we usually have. But this week we are discussing a manga entitled I Saw It by Keiji Nakazawa. And it is essentially a Hiroshima memoir. It details the author's firsthand experience as a victim of the atomic bombing of Hiroshima on August 6, 1945. And a portion of the book describes the day itself that it happened, as well as then moving on into the weeks and then years of aftermath in terms of the general hell experienced by the city, as well as a more offer-specific memoir of his family life and experiences, most particularly his relationship with his mother. It is largely specifically a tribute to his relationship with his mom. But... Before we really dive into discussing fully all the details of the comic itself, I'll go ahead and provide also the context and credits in terms of the publication. This was first published in Japanese in 1972, and it has gotten two releases, two different translations into English. The first came out in 1982 via a one-shot floppy published by a comic called Edu Comics, which is basically exactly what it sounds like, centered around publishing material that could be used for educational purposes. I am currently looking at my copy of that edition, to give you an idea of the sort of intent, it even includes like an order form in the back pages and makes mention of having teacher's guides and lesson plans available that they could send to teachers with recommendations on essentially how to talk to your students about the nuclear attack and related issues. This version of the comic flipped the artwork as was standard for manga localization of the time. So it changes the orientation of the book. And it also added colors to what was originally just a black and white publication. And then last year courtesy of Last Gasp Publications, we finally got a more modern sort of publication that preserves both the original orientation of the artwork as well as 
the original black and white aspect and is overall just like higher paper quality, higher quality printing. The 80s edition doesn't feature specific credits for who did the colors or that translation, but the last gasp version has credits to Ajani Olay for translation and Evan Hayden as providing the lettering on that edition. And I own both, so we're sort of looking at both as we talk about it. I think that covers essentially all the sort of historical context with regards to the comic itself. Uh, this creator, Nakazawa, would also later go on to do a manga entitled Barefoot Gin, which is the series that, at least in the English-speaking world, he's most known for. And it dealt largely with similar subject matter from more of a fictionalized frame of reference, but understandably, you know, for obvious reasons, this subject matter was such that he returned to frequently throughout his career. With all that said, this being your first time reading it, I suppose I'll turn it to you in terms of your first impressions or just like where you would like to start or anything. I think we should probably just start by running through, you know, the events depicted and like just an overview of everything that that happens so that because I, I i don't yeah I, I don't even know the comic essentially opens with a brief two-page introduction from nakazawa at the age at which he is creating the comic it is him as an adult in the years that have passed since sort of just like looking around as he is walking through Tokyo and specifically sees some tourists and thinks about how he never got to take his mom to Tokyo and show her the sights. And he specifically remarks about how difficult her life was and all the more difficult it was because of the war. And we then shift through flashback to World War II. Prior to the bomb being dropped, we get some scenes showing us what his childhood was like with his family, his father, his mother, and some of his siblings. We get like scenes depicting what it was like for them to hide out in shelters under air raids. We get a lot of discussion of food and how scarce food was, of it basically largely consisting only of beans and rice. We get some scenes depicting his relationship with his father, who was also an artist and would teach him various things. And it's very much just like a portrait of what his childhood was like prior to the bomb being dropped. And it's already specifically a very hardworking, you know, resources are scarce sort of childhood due to wartime rationing and the family just not being very economically well off. And there's a lot of talk specifically about just how hard his mother always worked to provide for them. And in short order, we then get to August 6th, 
1945 itself, which starts with a brief departure into the shelters because the B-29 bomber was spotted before everyone gets the all clear to come back out thinking it was just a scout plane. And so we then essentially see the last moments in which the offer sees most of his family alive, just like talking to each other before he goes out to school. And not much longer than he arrives there does the atomic bomb go off. And it's essentially described as this intense flashing burning light that causes him to lose consciousness for an indeterminate amount of time before he wakes up and essentially just begins to make his way through the carnage. Like when he comes to, he has a nail from a board jutting into his face. He's bleeding he quickly sees another woman who he had been talking to right before the bomb dropped appears to be dead in the rubble. And he specifically remarks that her skin has turned black and is falling off of her. And this is a frequent visual point. And what is depicted throughout is that we see a lot of depiction of how the atomic bomb affected victims physically with regards to the burns that were so intense that I feel like no description I give is really going to convey as well as just, you know, seeing these pages would because it's just such a specific horror that you know is just outside the realm of what most people will ever have to experience but just really horrific imagery of what happened to these victims as he is walking around um, Hiroshima seeing the damage to the people those that are still alive those that are dead the damage to the architecture. So many buildings are just entirely destroyed or falling in upon themselves. There are fires burning everywhere. He runs back to his neighborhood to find his house is on fire. And... There he meets a neighbor of his who tells him where to go to meet his mother, who I should have mentioned before was already pregnant before the bomb was dropped. And when he finds her, his mother has just given birth to a younger sister. And it then shifts to flashback of what she's narrating to him about the death of most of the rest of their family and just like how she was able to survive the collapse of the house just like due to where she physically was while working on laundry but two of the offer's siblings and his father, her husband, both perish in the house falling in on itself. And she talks about her experiences, listening to them crying and screaming for help. And just that horrific experience of essentially her family like crying out for help but with the way that they were crushed under the rubble there was physically nothing she could do to save them as the fire spread and killed them and 
the narrative continues essentially to show just the continued carnage and hell of the next days and weeks as more and more people succumb to death from their injuries and their burns. There's a lot about the constant fires, the constant cremations, the gigantic piles of bones of the victims. There's just a bunch of really harrowing details of just like what the reality of this experience looked like for everyone involved. And during this time, we get one of Nakazawa's brothers returns home to help them with everything now that the war is officially declared over and he's essentially released from his military service. So he and this older brother are sent by their mom to go back because after the events of the bombing, they then move in with an acquaintance in another town. But the mother instructs them to go back to Hiroshima to find their dead family members' bones from the fire in, like, the remnants of their house. And so we get just, like, the scene of the two brothers sifting through the rubble and finding their family members' bones and just this harrowing imagery of, like, the two of them bicycling their way back to their new temporary home, carrying this bucket of skulls, essentially. And at some point, the other older brother moves back in with them. So we have... At this point, the mother, the offer, his two older brothers, and his newborn younger sister consist of, like, what is left of the family. And we get depictions of just, like, their hard-working life as everyone just does what they can, you know, continued talk about just like how his mother is working herself to the bone to be able to afford to feed her remaining children and try to keep everyone that's still alive still alive and after four months the younger sister dies I'll quote a little bit of the narration from the 80s edition from edu comics as time went by tomoko's voice grew weaker malnutrition ended her life after only four months just like a candle consuming itself tomoko had cried her life out and they do a home cremation for the baby and during this part and also the events before now the author specifically remarks about how he never sees his mother cry and he theorizes that she doesn't have time to cry as she just is continuing to work so hard to keep the rest of the family stable and from this point we see memoirs of what life was like as they sort of rebuild as much as they can and achieve more of a sense of normalcy and houses are like built back up in Hiroshima itself again and we watch him like as a third grader doing what he can to get food collecting scrap metal to sell for a little bit of money. And it's during this time that he has his first encounters with comic books, specifically his first manga that he ever reads is one by 
Osamu Tezuka, which I'll just briefly ask, do you know who Tezuka is? No. So Tezuka is at least one of, but I think it's probably safe to say the most famous and probably historically like influential manga creator like in the history of Japanese comics. Like this is essentially like a Jack Kirby, Stan Lee level of fame figure in the industry. And yeah, just a bit of like the historical context too of like the cartooning industry that he is that the offer here is reading and coming into as he's growing up through all of this. He is taking an interest in comics, this burgeoning field with creators who would go on to huge historic acclaim and significance. And in addition to all of the work that he's doing to help finding food for the family and making money, etc. We watch as Nakazawa begins working on his own amateur manga, creating comics at home in between working, continued depictions of how scarce food is, of his family being especially destitute because of their having lost everything in the house fire at the bombing. So we get like these scenes of him watching his other children just have much more and more appealing food as he is just eating like really cheap bread and things like that. But he is happy to start work after graduating middle school. He works as a sign painter as he and his older brothers are all working. The family starts to feel a bit better. He, you know, is doing what he can to contribute. He works as a sign painter and is also slowly gaining some success with his side comics. He gets some prize money for getting like special mentions and such in contests. A bit ways into this, his mother suffers from a cerebral hemorrhage and she spends the next three years in the hospital before getting out. But even when getting out, she never really is able to physically fully recover. You know, she never regains full mobility in terms of walking and stuff like that. But during this time, Keiji goes off to Tokyo to fervor his career as a professional comics artist. We get some specific biographical details about, like, the specific magazines he worked for, some publications, artists that he was able to work as an assistant for, and... Upon coming home to visit his mother, this is when he sees his mother cry for the first time. There's talk about how, after all the hard work she had been through and everything, it was him that she was most concerned about, you know, her care of her children. And he meets his fiance, they get married at home in Hiroshima and we get the short scene in which his mother tells him that now that he is grown and married she'll be able to die happily and he has the you know it's an understandable reaction like neither of them is in the wrong here but he has the reaction of being like sort of freaked out to hear her talk like this, you know, and tells her that he wants to help provide a better time for her and to be able to take her to Tokyo and show her the sights. 
you know, he's just reached adulthood. He's getting success. He wants to do well by his mother. But not long afterward, once he returns to Tokyo, he gets the notification that his mother has, in fact, died shortly thereafter. And so we get a lot of, like, lamenting and reflection from him just, like, about how hard she worked and the things he wanted to do for her, but that it's too late to do. And this sort of mourning of his mother ties in with his feelings about the bomb as we get scenes post her cremation as he's like remarking on the effect that the radiation has had upon her bones and it's like this angry lament of how much the bomb has taken from him and from her and his rage at the makers of the bomb and essentially the comic ends with this sort of goal or proclamation that he is going to continue using his artistic pursuits and comics to write about the bomb and what has happened and we essentially end on this scene of him walking through Tokyo with a quote from his mother about how if cartoons are the path that he's chosen, then do his best at it. And he's like telling the memory of his mother that he will. And it essentially ends on that note with him back in the present. Yeah. Uh, this comic obviously covers some pretty serious stuff. And then it's, it's, the through line to him becoming a comics creator is really interesting to me. The way that he sees it as being very sequential and connected. And like his desire to use this art form to communicate stuff. Interesting thing on the translation. Um, the, the version that I'm holding, uh, the last gasp version says that his mother suffered from a stroke, not a cerebral hemorrhage. Which now makes me wonder which one it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had read... I've read both versions of this, but I haven't, like, you know, like, sat down and read them at the same time. I was sure there would be, like, some differences, but, yeah, I didn't know that there was that. I'm not really familiar with his any autobiographical information outside of these so I'm not sure yeah I, some of the obviously there's going to be differences in the translations which is fine like because it's it, you can, it's very difficult to do a one to one translation with um, non romance languages to English like most romance languages you can get something pretty pretty firm because they all have the same root language that they're pulling from but you know you have to change the sentence structure so significantly that yeah you're going to get a lot of different results but it that struck me as very odd just in terms of talking about the translations when you were going through that that it's it's a different cause of her like medical issues towards the end I guess it's possible that maybe she suffered both. I'm not really an expert on either medical no, condition. No, neither am I. I mean, the main thing I have to take away from this is it is a deeply effective and deeply affecting retelling of his experiences. It, it feels strange because all of my normal avenues for, like, both complimenting and critiquing a work tend to like revolve around it as a work of fiction but obviously this isn't so like 
the way that you would talk about the store like my sort of normal instincts are a bit more complicated and it's like my normal instincts in terms of the way that i would discuss a work are like they would be stupid to apply to this <laughs> if that makes sense yeah i concur that it's it's very different from what we usually cover you know and I guess to go back to a little bit of what you said of just like the through line with his history with comics and like becoming a comic creator and how connected those things are. I think that's a good example of just like how the comic portrays it as an event, it being the bombing, I should say, as like an event in the ongoing narrative of his life. You know, because this isn't just, oh, this is purely a nonfiction comic that is really only about that day or maybe like that day into like the immediate week or couple weeks in terms of the bombing and its immediate aftermath. It is specifically showing its impact on this specific man's life and his family's life you know most specifically him and his mother which i think i think as a memoir it's a good example of the artist really effectively conveying what this experience was like for them personally you know, because to him, it was not the way that we think about the event from an outsider's perspective as sort of like a world history factoid, you know, like it's very different as a lived in experience. And I think that he does a really good job of just like framing the narrative in such a way that like we get a glimpse of what his life was like before, during, and after that really lets you see the through lines and how it affects the family members. But also, you know, like, this is a story of their lives, and the bombing is just a part of that. But, you know, we get to watch the growing relationship like between him and his mom as it continues in the years ongoing which I think for me like the real heart of it is the relationship between him and his mom I think is a really good effective emotional focus point for all of it like obviously there's like more going on and just there's all sorts of stuff going on but I think that the continued focus on his relationship with his mom is really effective yeah I agree that's that's the heart of this um as like a, a work of art that's the focus and the through line and and the for me the most affecting page is uh, after her cremation when he you know realizes that like her bones burnt up in a way that the bones of the people who died in the fires and, and were cremated in the immediate aftermath of the explosion didn't uh, because of the damage from the radiation that she was exposed to and that, like, even so much later, you know, this is still this cruel, horrific thing that even takes away, like, part of his ability to have, like, to memorialize her properly. It's just, it's so fucking heartbreaking. Yeah, it's like, yeah, just like this depiction of how even years later the bomb has even taken away like what the body is supposed to do in death or after death, like the health of her very bones, you know, it's, 
it's really well done it you know is just a really effective telling and works with just like the rage in these pages as he is just going on about what the bomb has taken from him seeing the consequences like on her physical body it's I'm talking in circles but yeah it's really effective I suppose um what are your thoughts on the art it's not the style that I would necessarily I think if you were writing this now if this was someone now doing this story um this isn't the style I think that you would illustrate it in. Um, I'm assuming a large part of it is this is the style of manga in the 70s. A lot of it probably looked like this. But it's still deeply effective. Um, the sequences with the immediate aftermath of the bombing, especially visually, are just like... it. It's clearly capturing the, the horror but it's not so graphic as to be something that's difficult to look at, which I'm sure that it, it would be if you did this in a more detailed style. Um, I mean, the only other manga I've read from this time period is the Spider-Man manga that we've covered some of. And I, this visually has a lot of similarities to that in terms of the way that like people are drawn. So I'm assuming that a lot of it is a very... Um, you know, it, it's it's a bit like how when you look at a comic in America from the 1970s, there's a general similarity. But as I said, I think that, that within that, this captures exactly what it needs to. You know, it, 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 it gets across its message. It gets across how horrible what happened was and as i said it's it's manages to do that without being something that is like just sort of impossible to to look at if that makes sense yeah yeah stylistically i think this is definitely reflective of artistic trends of the time um style and vogue however you would want to phrase it i think in terms of also just like the styles relationship to the subject matter i think for me it's really perfect like i know what you mean about like oh if i saw or if i knew a contemporary comic contemporary to now comic was going to be doing like really serious real world events i might expect a style that was more concerned with approaching realism but i think the style we get here i think is perfect for what it's doing and i think is maybe all the more effective for looking the way that it does it's like the images that we get especially in like the morning of the bombing aftermath itself it makes me think just like sort of like that paradox of attempts at realistic art or realism and art photorealism where sometimes the more you try to make something look like real life, the less successful it is, or just like the more heightened the differences are and become, whereas with a style that is not at all trying to do that, is not concerned with, you know, rendering every wrinkle on a face, etc., doesn't get held back by that sort of baggage or danger of uncanny valley etc you know and then there's whatever risk with regards to specifically body horror etc you know with regards specifically to events like these i think that this style really effectively conveys the horror of what he's seeing 
the images that I most remember whenever I think about this comic, which I first read it at least a year ago, maybe a few years ago at this point, I've had like the 80s edition for a while and only relatively recently got the newer one. You know, it just came out last year. But the images that most stand out in my mind are just those panels of the like processions of like multiple people in one panel as you see just like multiple people like walking in the same direction all in that sort of same pose where their clothing is shredded and you're seeing skin dripping off of them especially off of the hands and like distending off of the fingers and just sort of like hanging between the hands and the ground and it's just hellish you know like it really really sells the hell of the experience that he is going through you know and in regards to like realism or not I kind of fear like oh or I kind of you know speculate I'm just like would it feel impossible for a more realistic quote-unquote whatever art style to really feel as true to life as this no no I don't know that I'm really no that makes perfect sense to me yeah like I think what we get here is really effective and I'll comment with regards to the coloration you know like as a general rule of thumb you know I like work being reprinted or preserved in a way that is most similar or cognizant of like the original version as possible you know with regards to framing artwork or not framing artwork etc cetera, etc cetera. but with regards to the colors here in the 80s edition even though they weren't there originally i can at least say that the coloration in the old edition i think is well done and specifically in the morning of events it just feels appropriate, you know, just like the use of the reds and the oranges and the yellows. It feels thoughtfully done and like it's contributing to the sense of the hellishness of the events. And, you know, though the new edition is certainly like much more true to the original printing and I always appreciate that and like I think the paper quality is pretty great and just you know looks great in the original black and white as it was intended to be published in you know but I think for a localized flipped version you know of Japanese material I think that the 80s edition could have been a lot worse. Like, I think there are much worse versions of translation and editing to books from that time period. I think that, like, as a educational tool, as, like, that publication of it was sort of intended to be, I have to imagine that it was probably really great for any teachers that actually used it for that purpose. Yeah, I um I cannot imagine an American classroom in the 1980s using a book that is this specific about the horror of the crime that the government US government committed here. That that does surprise me that it's an education lines reprint. Um 
I'm thinking about my textbooks in the early 2000s that definitely took the uh, the Truman line of it being a necessary thing that they had to do instead of, you know, acknowledging that this is just, it's so obviously a war crime that, you know, aside from some of the more concerted efforts of genocide is one of the worst acts human beings have committed. Yeah, who knows, like, how many American classrooms were, like, actually able to use this, but I have to assume that at least some teachers were, and good job to those teachers for, yeah, doing that, and yeah, complimentary shout-out to Comics for, you know, putting in the effort of all this back in the 80s, back when, yeah, just like all the challenges of what educational institutions would be willing to talk about, not to mention just like the English language manga industry back then did not at all exist in the way that it did today. So the fact that there's that old of an English edition of this is kind of shocking in reagan's america yeah if you told me this was like a 90s print i i i I had been assuming it was something from the 90s and it was something from a much smaller like a publisher that was like one of those small publishers that just does reprints of manga um like the magazine that we covered something the equivalent of that and not an education comics line that does really surprise me in in a in a good way because i think that this would be an incredibly useful tool to help people understand you know the effects on regular people like it's really hard to understand these things when it's just numbers oh. and it's a few like that's not how human beings work that's not how we understand things with regards to like the size and everything like i had a hard time researching edu comics i do get the sense that it was still like a very small company you know but yeah and all of that stuff about you know it being like a good whether explicitly like educational tool within like an actual classroom setting or even just like something to sort of experience that way as a reader, you know, of it as nonfiction for just a general reader to get that sort of impression of it or like, you know, like read about the events in a way that is actively humanizing and not just statistics in a textbook. I think that's, you know, an important, effective aspect of the comic in general across, like, whatever printing to, like, like I said, the Last Gasp edition just came out last year. It is still in stock, and I recommend getting it. It, I think it's very worth reading. You know, there are obvious reasons like why I felt like it was worth reading and talking about and I'm glad that we have yeah yeah me too I really like all the family stuff in this like maybe I'm just sort of repeating myself at this point but the writing of the family relationships is just really well done of the community relationships like you know, we've talked a bit about his mother and his relationship with his mother, which is really at the heart of it. But I also appreciate just like the little scenes we get with the other characters of just like the brief descriptions of like how affectionate his dad was and of him like being interested in helping to teach him to draw and there are just like brief interactions with classmates, both positive and negative. And like, 
I think the scene of him first getting to the house is really effective on the morning of like when the first live person that we see him interacting with isn't a family member, but we see him like running into the neighbor who like knows him and is telling him where to run to find his mom. And we see her with like all of these shards of glass embedded in her side, especially in her head, like in the side of her head. And yeah, I'm basically just repeating the same main point about just like how effectively Nakazawa like conveys his memoir, you know, like conveys the events and his memories and the art is skilled throughout, you know, we've talked about the aesthetic, these horrific things. There is specifically, I guess, one more panel I'll mention as he's like running from the house on his way to find his mom. There is this panel as he's running that is just a close up of his foot stepping on a severed hand that's just like lying there in the street and there's no narration about it he doesn't say anything about it it just is preceded by him like huffing and puffing like panting running and then the next panel is again just him running and crying out for his mom and it's like the depiction of that specific image and like similar, you know, deployments of imagery throughout do a really good job of just like highlighting just everything that was going on all around him, you know, and like the fact that like the image of him stepping on a severed limb could be something that is just presented and then not even commented on fervor you know like shows a you know like the fact that it's here shows you know that he remembers it it shows that he remembers it but also shows just like the sheer hell and like no time to stop nature of it of just how dreadful the event was but I guess now I'm just going on about like the same. He notes uh, later that he soon thought nothing of stepping over corpses and grew numb to the sight of them. Um, yeah, which I I think that just says everything right there about the way that like living in that moment must have been like if you got used to corpses burnt beyond all recognition there's specifically like a scene where he is like watching a cremation and is like remarking on the ways in which like a cooking human body is similar to like watching a fish get burned that it's just a really affecting depiction of just like I guess just like the human psychology of it all of just like what witnessing these sorts of things does to a person and like the way that one's reactions and frame of mind you know change when they're actually faced with these sort of things as opposed to it just being like a horrifying idea that is you know, not actually rooted in reality as it would be for, like, either of us, you know, having never witnessed anything like that. It sort of, it depicts not only the literal event happening, but also sort of an insight into how it shaped him as a boy, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. The 80s edition features some 
like front and back matter that essentially consist of like the editors and Nakazawa himself sort of just like giving a bit more historical context about the events and then the offers like publication history etc in a way that feels like you know sort of expected to the idea of it as like an educational aid the front and side cover talks a lot too about just like the horrors of nuclear weapons and specifically talks about like how much worse they've even gotten since the bomb was dropped on Hiroshima and about them just getting like more and more monstrous and it's like very specifically advocating the removal of nuclear weapons I forget is there any sort of like back matter or anything like that in the new edition beyond just like the comic itself no it's just the comic nothing else okay which like not necessarily a bad thing you know like the story speaks for itself of course just the different presentation since that one's not inherently being passed around a classroom but i was just curious since i couldn't remember yeah no the um yeah it's it's literally just the title page and then the page telling you that you're reading it in the wrong direction and then the comic and that's it okay I guess I'll go ahead and just specifically say on air if anyone is interested in obtaining this to read it, the current version publisher's website is lastgasp.com. So, yeah, like I've said, it's easily available in print. They also have some of his other works as well. If those are of interest to you, he has Barefoot Gin. They have localized. And I'm looking now, it looks like he has a translated prose memoir on here as well. Sounds interesting. Um, wow. Yeah. But I guess before we wrap up, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Not, no. No, I, th I think that's everything I had to say. It, it's it's just really deeply effective. I, I To be clear, Annie was planning on reading this. I did cry like three times while reading it. So just fair warning on that one. It's a, it's a tough read, obviously. It should be a tough read. But it's a tough read. Yeah. Well worth doing so. But... I guess that will wrap us up for this week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, what do you plan on having us read next week? Uh, next week, we're going to be reading some Batman comics, uh, specifically issues 667 through 669 of, um, I guess it's Batman Volume 1 is what it would be called if you're looking for it on uh dc universe or something like that um collected it's part of uh what they normally call the batman black glove trades that they've released it is three issues of the grant morrison batman run uh illustrated by jh williams the third it is part of my ongoing before our second anniversary project of picking something that I have been talking about doing since the start of the podcast and somehow I've not gotten around to doing it. In this case, Morrison Batman. Uh, it's very good. It's obviously extremely different from what we covered this week, but that's what we're reading for next week. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But in the meantime, thank you all for listening and bye. Bye, everyone. The 
excellent to each other.